Welcome to Pound the Rock, the Scores NBA podcast. My name is Joseph Cacharo. I'm in the Score Studios with co-host Joe Wolfon. How's it going? Not that great. Um, obviously, in the grand scheme of life and the world, the NBA shutting down, as are other sports, is not the biggest deal. But I think, as sad as it is to say, because people should have been taking it more seriously already, mm-hmm. I think the NBA shutting down, and honestly, not to make light of it at all, but also like Tom Hanks announcing that he and Rita Wilson were diagnosed with COVID-19 coronavirus. I think that is what made people take it seriously. So while the NBA shutting down isn't the be-all end-all, clearly for us, that's what we're here to talk about as NBA writers, podcasters, supporters. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we're going to do today. We were not expecting to have another podcast this week, but we also felt weird not recording something on this really unprecedented day. You know, this um, this has never happened in the NBA before other than labor stoppages, work stoppages for labor reasons. You know, you can go back like the NHL canceled their season during a Spanish flu pandemic of 1919, which score feature writer Nick Ferris actually wrote about. You should go check that out on the score app because it is pretty fascinating. Um, But yeah, the NHL, you know, that's a much older league. There's experience with this. I'm not sure, to be honest, the NFL, which is also a little older, or baseball, which dates back to the 19th century. But the NBA, you know, its origins are only from the late 40s, and they have never had to deal with something like this before. And now it's here. And, and it's not just the NBA, right? I mean, right. NHL is on hiatus, MLB, same thing. NCAA just canceled all of March Madness. And, I, you know, to, to speak to your point off the top, like, the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yes, this is not, you know, the thing that's going to be at the top of most people's lists of concerns. And I hope that, you know, we're going to talk about the kind of ramifications on the NBA. And I, I hope that doesn't come off as being overly cynical or feel like small potatoes or like we're focus, focusing on something that doesn't matter. Like, I think we recognize that in the big picture. But at the same time, I mean, for one, we cover the NBA for a living. That's our job. So, that's why we're here to talk about that specifically. I imagine anybody listening to this podcast is listening to it for the same reasons. But also, I think, you know, the reason that this set off so many alarm bells, and it really started before this, right? Like, I talked on the last episode about Indian Wells being canceled and what a huge red flag that was. Before that, it was South by Southwest, like a huge music and culture festival in Austin. You know, what makes that such a big red flag is the fact that we live in a capitalist society where... <laughs> Everything is profit-driven, um, you know, usually at the expense of pretty much any other concern. Yeah. And Well, ask James Dolan and Tillman Fertitta, who... Yeah, who voted against playing games without fans in attendance when the Board of Governors talked about this yesterday. So, so the fact that, I mean, sports is huge business. And so the fact that the NBA was willing to take this step and, you know, all the other ma- major sports leagues following suit, I think, is a pretty clear indication of how serious this is, how serious everybody is taking it, and, uh, you know, starting to make a good faith attempt to get this thing under control, because that just hasn't been the case in the United States for the last few weeks as it's continued to spread. And I think that's the biggest issue that we're dealing with right now, is there are just, you know, thousands of undocumented cases of this virus there aren't enough tests that are readily available and it seems like it's pretty easy for nba players to get themselves tested but for the average person that isn't necessarily the case so i think one hopes that this helps sort of shed a light on the severity of the situation 
and kicks things into higher gear when it comes to containment. Well, we're talking about shedding light on the severity of the situation. One guy who obviously didn't do that was Rudy Gobert. Now he is. He He's put out an Instagram post where he uh, apologizes to the people I may have endangered. He says, at the time, I had no idea I was even infected, but I was careless and make no excuse. I hope my story serves as a warning and causes everyone to take this seriously. Which it will. Like It I- will. And... and Rudy Gobert um, is one of the good guys in the NBA. Like I truly believe that in my interactions with him and things I've heard from other people around the league, even a couple of people I talked to with the Raptors around All-Star Weekend said Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are like, they live up to the billing as, you know, the good guys that they are. I think you can acknowledge that Rudy Gobert could be a good man and still acknowledge that he was moronically reckless in his actions. And I know that he obviously wasn't doing them maliciously and he had, you know, no ill intents in his actions. And even at the time, he was almost doing it like tongue in cheek as a way of showing solidarity with the media because, you know, in case anyone isn't aware, I think we talked about it on the last show, but, you know, the media were supposed to be staying six to nine feet or six to eight right. feet, whatever it was, away from the players. And, and guess what? That policy had like 48 hours to be in effect before the whole goddamn season got suspended. Exactly. And, and, what Gobert did is, as a joke, at the end of his press conference on Monday at shoot around, he touched every microphone on the table as a like as kind of like a joke that he's not really afraid of getting it from the media and no one should be afraid and whatever. And then when Adrian Wojnarowski reported today that Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert's Jazz teammate, also tested positive for the coronavirus, Woj reported that Jazz players privately said that Gobert had been careless in the locker room, touching other players and their belongings. Now, obviously, Gobert, again, didn't, wouldn't have known that he was positive at the time and would have just thought he was being silly and making light of the situation in general. And I guess all I want to say to that matter is, look, I completely understand even some of the people making jokes on Twitter, like being funny and wanting to like stay positive. Like, I get that. I do. I'm guilty of that myself sometimes. But I think there's a big difference between just like kind of getting your jokes off and and having a little bit of fun with it so you don't get too down. You know, whether that's Wolfon and I literally laughing about how we were wiping the hell out of the studio like 10 minutes ago before Sanitize we Sanitize the shit out of this yeah, studio. sanitizing the shit out of the studio. What do you think? Are, 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 there, perhaps, are, there, are there six feet between us right now? There are definitely need, not. I might need um, to back up You know, that, that's an example. Like, okay, you're like having a little bit of fun with you. are laughing. You know, laughing about whether it's a good idea to go on that Bumble date. You I'm know? married, so. <laughs> so. All right, well, I guess it's me then that's got that issue. But when you trying to be funny or witty or whatever the case may be, literally becomes part of the public health problem and you become a danger to the public health because of you trying to be funny, which in this case was Rudy Gobert touching a bunch of microphones that people are then going to put to their face or touching a bunch of people's belongings and them in the locker room. Man, there's nothing funny about that. And it unfortunately took this for some people to realize that. Now, obviously, we don't even know you know, this isn't to say that Rudy Gobert doing those things actually resulted in, in people being infected. We don't know yeah. that. For all we know, Donovan Mitchell may have accidentally given this to Rudy Gobert after contracting from else. The point is just have common sense, you know? If you want to be funny and get your jokes off, all the power to you, just as long as you're not doing it in a way that becomes physical and actually contributing to the problem. Because it is a problem, it is a crisis, and... While you may feel invincible or whatever the case may be, chances are you could spread it to someone who is most definitely not invincible. So Mm -hmm. for the sake of everyone, use common sense. And yes, learn from Rudy Gobert, who acted very moronically. He did. And I, you know, 
I don't have anything to add to that except to say he clearly uh, seems to have learned from that mistake. He put out that statement on Instagram, which was um, extremely apologetic, didn't make any excuses for himself, and implored people to learn from his mistake and to not make the same one. And I think that was really all that he could do, and he did the right thing. And ultimately, you know, you hope that good will come out of that situation where more people take it seriously and fewer people are making light of it. And I think, like, obviously all of Twitter and, like, the internet was dunking on Gobert because of that moment yesterday, and I went on Twitter and called him the clown of the year. But realistically, like, you said it, we don't know that he was patient zero in the NBA, and I'm sure in hindsight, yeah, jazz players who are probably not too thrilled about this are thinking back to like hugs or high fives that Rudy Gobert gave them that they didn't think anything of at the time but in hindsight they're like oh man he was being really careless about that and obviously he couldn't have known and I'm sure there are plenty of other people around the league who are behaving in similarly reckless fashion but who didn't happen to have the virus so I think maybe we can ease off of Gobert for now he, he's owned up to it and um, the best thing that you know everyone can do moving forward is just to be as cautious as they possibly can be. You know, the good news, I suppose, is that uh, like pretty much the entire Jazz team, and I think all of like their their coaching staff, their training staff, their traveling uh, beat writers were all tested after fifty eight people after that game um, against the Thunder was canceled last night, and Mitchell was the only other person who tested positive for it. So that's good news. But I would be very surprised if those are the only two people who have the virus in the NBA right now. And I think what's scary about this and the reason that the NBA had to do what it did is that, like this was something you mentioned a couple of days ago, like these people come into contact with so many other people over the course of their day. It's one thing for somebody who, you know, maybe works from home or works in an office with a small number of people or like anything like that, where you're not necessarily coming into contact with a ton of people. But like, if you're playing in an arena with 20,000 fans, some of whom are trying to get close to you during shoot around and give you high fives. And then there are water boys and towel boys and referees media. and media security like, personnel. It's, you know, you think about, you, you start to play the six degrees of separation Airport game. staff. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, the six degrees of Gobert separation, like it can very quickly spiral out of control. And like the Raptors, I believe, are still waiting to get their tests back. They were all advised to go into self-quarantine because they had played the Jazz. Um, and I think, who else? Had, was it Detroit who played the Jazz after that? Uh, so I'm not sure about the exact order, but the if you just go with the 10 days prior to Gobert's diagnosis... Raptors, Pistons, Celtics, Knicks, and Cavaliers, and the Wizards who played the Jazz on February 28th, but then played the Knicks on March 10th, who played the Jazz in that window, right. the Wizards telling basketball operations staff to self-quarantine for at least a few days. Yeah, so the, I mean, that's just a, a, a good illustration right there of the, the six degrees of separation thing. And That's how, more than a, a fifth of the league we yeah. just read off. And the, and the Raptors were in Toronto last night at a charity event. Two. At they, two charity yeah. events. And, you know, there hasn't been a big outbreak, at least not a confirmed outbreak in Toronto or Canada at all yet. But you know, this is how this stuff spreads. And I think we can only hope, you know, like we live in a country where there is socialized medicine. And obviously that's been a big roadblock to getting the appropriate testing done in the United States. We can only hope that from here on out that starts to become a little bit easier and the powers that be take stock of the situation and become a little bit 
more committed to getting this thing under control. What's up, Pound the Rock listeners? Just a friendly reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to Pound the Rock on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also check out The Score's other sports podcasts. For Major League Baseball, there's Expand the Zone. For Soccer, we've got Sweeper Keeper. Puck Pursuit has you covered for the NHL. The Score's MMA podcast with James Lynch gives you your mixed martial arts fix. And the Fantasy Football podcast with Justin Boone covers, you guessed it, fantasy football. And in case you haven't already, download the Score app, available on iPhone and Android. That's where you can find all of our feature content, as well as live scores, updates, and breaking news. Now back to the show. All right, so let's talk, you know, I guess not about basketball games that are going to be played, but maybe just about, from a basketball perspective, some of the ripple effects and the ramifications that a postponed and or canceled season might have. So yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on, the first thing we already touched on it, just the teams that are most affected, the teams that played the Jazz in that period and the Raptors and how they might have brought it to Toronto. So fingers crossed there that that's not the case. What you referenced in this post as the logistical boondoggle of scheduling the rest of the season, what do you mean? Well, the league just had a conference call with its 30 board of governors. And Adrian Wojnarowski reported, you know, coming out of that call that the league is going to reassess things in 30 days. So we're talking about a minimum of a month where the league is going to be on hiatus. And for one thing, like we have no idea where this thing is going to be in a month or how bad it's going to get. Um, And and just thinking about and and seeing how quickly it's gotten to the point that it's gotten to, I I think it, it would be pointless to make any sort of assumptions about the preparedness of the league or you know the United States in general to sort of get back to its normal state of operations a month from now um, I think you know some something that uh, many people have kind of used as a comparative example is the Chinese Basketball Association which is reportedly looking to re- restart um, its games in early April which will have been about two and a half months from the time that it um, suspended play so if the NBA is going to get back to playing games again two and a half months from now, um, I mean, w- that's going to be what, mid to late May? And then you have to think about how much, if any, of the regular season you want to play out, um, how difficult it's going to be to just ask teams to immediately jump into playoff games, whether you're going to be able to schedule those kind of games in arenas that are pre-booked months and years sometimes in advance with other events reorienting the tv broadcast schedule um you know then pushing back the draft pushing back free agency pushing back summer league if any of those things are going to happen the way that they have happened in the past pushing back the start of next season potentially like you can't really fully account for the ripple effects of this thing and i I just you know again like i'll go back to what i said at the beginning like I don't even know whether that two and a half month timetable is realistic. Like I I definitely think that it's possible that this is just it for the 2019, 20 season. I don't think that's at all out of the realm of possibility. If we're talking about like the postponement canceled or not, then Olympic basketball obviously comes to mind. And that's first of all, if there even is an Olympics, you know, the Olympics are 
scheduled to take place in Tokyo from, I believe, July 25th to August 9th. The final pre-Olympic qualifying tournaments are scheduled for June 23rd to 28th, somewhere in that range. So already, the league's delayed a minimum of a month, which is what it is. It's going to be longer than that, but at, at minimum, a month. You're looking at the finals, what, in July? Like, that already goes into and past the Olympic qualifying tournaments. And then unless they do something where, like, they they don't play the rest of the regular season and they just come back and start the playoffs in mid-April, which is, like, a month from now, again, that's, that's like, absolute best-case scenario. But it's looking like if it's postponed and not canceled, this thing's going into later into June, probably into July, and maybe even into August. So at that point, the only way you're really seeing NBA players in the Olympics is if the Olympics are postponed and not canceled and say move to September or October. But then the obvious issue is then it's probably interfering in training camps in the start of next season. Like it's just such a rolling ball of confusion that one of the things I think, you know, we have to accept, and again, yes, obviously in the grand scheme of things, not a big deal in the world, but, you know, if you were looking forward to Olympic basketball with NBA players in the court, I would not look forward to that anymore. I don't even know if there'll be an Olympics, but if there are, I just think it's very unlikely schedule-wise that players are at some point this summer, delayed or not, going to get on flights to Japan and and play basketball there. Right. Yeah. I mean, we don't even know if the Olympics right. are going to happen, yeah. or, or at least happen when they are scheduled to happen, so... There is so much uncertainty right now, and uh, all this stuff is up in the air. If you want to find any potential from an NBA standpoint, potential silver lining in a season that goes even a month or two later, and we were kind of joking around about this, but is you know is there a chance that some of these injured stars that we assumed there was no chance of seeing this season, like Durant was the obvious one you brought up. If the playoffs start in June instead of April... Like, I don't know, is Durant available for the Nets? Like, could you imagine a scenario in which Kevin Durant and possibly Kyrie Irving all of a sudden suit up for the Nets in a 7-2 matchup against the defending champion Raptors or an 8-1 matchup against the top-seeded Bucks? If the regular season is picked back up in, say, April and goes into May and June, would Clay Thompson, if he's cleared and ready, consider just getting back out there and getting some games under his belt with Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins? Is Ben Simmons you know, fully healthy? Is his back fully healed if this thing picks up in two months? And does that help Philly's chances after it looked like they were kind of in the doldrums? Uh, who else am I missing? Jonathan Isaac, you know, like mm-hmm. does he all of a sudden become available? That is a question worth asking if we do resume basketball in a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I, I have honestly so many questions about what's going to happen and what it's going to look like. And obviously, I mean, the, you know, the sort of big thing in, in strict NBA terms, I suppose, if, if you are going to cut the season off now the regular season and essentially when you come back just prepare to start the playoffs right away so that you're not playing games deep into August for instance you run into the trouble I guess if you have an imbalanced schedule some teams have played more games than others some teams have played more difficult schedules than others Um, I mean I guess the fortunate thing there is and this was another thing you suggested off air like 15 out of the 16 playoff spots are are essentially locked right now would they consider introducing that play-in tournament where those four or five teams that are fighting for that last spot in the Western Conference just duke it out for that last playoff spot? Would they just narrow the playoff field, condense the playoff format so that they could play that a little bit quicker? Um, I don't think anything is off the table right now. I think, obviously, you know, the two goals for the NBA probably right now 
after, of course, like the safety of their players and their fans is they're going to want to mitigate their lost revenue as much as they possibly can. And they're also going to want to come up with some sort of a satisfying conclusion to this season where a champion is crowned. So how do they sort of balance those two things where they're generating enough revenue in maybe a condensed time period and finding a way, you know, to satisfactorily answer the question of who's the best team in the NBA this season. And I don't know. There are a few different ways they go about doing that, I suppose. Um, But I don't know what it's going to look like. I have no idea. In the event a champion is not crowned, what does this mean for the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo and that future there? Because, you know, the, the line of thinking, whether it was wrong or right, we don't know. Maybe winning wouldn't have mattered and he would have bolted anyway or not accepted the, the max extension. And maybe losing wouldn't have dissuaded him from accepting that extension offer. But the belief was, for the most part, if the Bucks obviously win the title this year, maybe even just make the finals and then present Giannis with that super max extension this summer, that it would be a no-brainer. He'd sign. The worry goes out the window. And if they didn't get to the finals or for whatever reason kind of fell flat on their face, he would not accept the offer, and then the Bucs would have to think long and hard about what to do. If there's no finals, what happens? I mean, I guess, you know, if you were Giannis, you could take a look at the 65 games the Bucks have played, say, look, we had the best record in the league, we had the fifth best margin of victory in NBA history, uh, maybe that's enough to convince me that what we have here is good enough to compete for a championship now and for years to come. And that's it. I'm sold. I'm convinced. Uh, I think, you know, we've talked about it and I think we both sort of agree that they are overwhelming favorites to come out of the East. That's not the same as actually doing it, but um, given all those factors, I would think there, there is still a compelling case that the Bucks could make to Giannis to sign that Supermax. Um, but obviously if the season is well and truly canceled and they don't have an opportunity to make that pitch to him in the playoffs and to see whether they could have carried over that regular season success to the postseason, uh, there's no way to know whether that's going to be enough for him to buy in and commit long-term or, or not. Um, and I mean, it is also important to recognize that they're still going to have him under contract for Mm -hmm. another season. So, uh, they would have another opportunity to prove to him that they, can be a championship contender they can make the finals they can win a title with the team that they have uh, because the team really would be pretty unchanged from this season to next like do they have anybody of consequence who's on an expiring deal like it's like wesley matthews i guess but uh and maybe robin lopez as well but i don't think any of their like key key contributors aren't going to be there next season yeah middleton obviously honest bledsoe brooke lopez george hill dj wilson dante divincenzo all under contract for next season i think if you look at it and you're like okay who actually has the most riding on this season playing out in the playoffs i feel like maybe it's the bucks so yeah i mean i I think they as much or more than any team in the league are probably really crossing their fingers and hoping that the rest of the season can play out at a later date I'm going to throw the Lakers into that mix too, specifically for LeBron James, because, and I know we've like talked about this so many times, and I know people still take his greatness for granted, but when you look at what he's doing this year, he looks as good, maybe not as ever, but as he has in a long time. He's playing the best, at least regular season-wise, the best defense we've seen from him, what, since Miami? He's 35 years old now. He's got 58,000 mostly high-leverage minutes under his belt, on his body. 
I get that it's very easy to take what he's doing for granted because we've just become so accustomed to it. But like, man, uh, at some point, father time's coming for this guy, you know? And it would just be a shame if one of, you know, even even a portion of his, one of his last great seasons is kind of thrown away. And we don't know what would have come of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And whether that means even just the end of the regular season and that MVP push that I know it's so polarizing, right? That some people think is a completely media manufactured narrative that he had no chance to actually win and others think he was firmly back in the race. As we discussed the last podcast, there was still a quarter of the season to find that out and that would have been fun in its own right and and the Lakers gunning for the number one overall spot. And then, Yeah. yeah, like we don't know if it could be one of the last best chances for LeBron to win another ring. And, you know, I go back to the beginning of the episode and obviously none of these things matter in the grand scheme of life but if we're talking um, on an NBA podcast about NBA things and NBA ramifications and yeah like seeing the end um, of LeBron's tunnel of his championship window of his window of greatness is something that's pretty sobering for NBA fans right and and if we've lost a portion of that or even a season of that that's that's pretty sad it is and I think ultimately again we there's so much uncertainty here mm-hmm. so who knows what's going to happen but if the season is just canceled from here on out. No playoffs, no champion, et cetera. Um, over time, I think, you know, we'll reframe the way that we think and talk about this season. And I don't think it's like this season that LeBron has had will just be considered a waste. Like there will still no, be, I think, a, a ton waste, of appreciation for what he did this year. And for this, like, I think about it, you know, that could have been that 94 baseball season that ended because of the strike, right? The Expos? Yeah. And they didn't play the the playoffs that year. No World Series champion is crowned. And now there's this kind of, it's obviously very sad and it feels very incomplete in a way, but that Expos team that was 74 and 40 when the strike hit, um, there's a real sort of aura and mystique about that team. And it's in some ways remembered a lot more fondly and a lot better than teams that did go on to win the World Series because it felt so incomplete, because there is so much like heartbreak bound up in it. And I know that may feel unsatisfying. I'm sure it would for Lakers fans. I mean, obviously for any NBA fan, it would feel tremendously unsatisfying for this season to not be seen through to its conclusion. But um, I think also there can be a lot of appreciation for, you know, what, certain players and certain teams have done this year and I don't I don't think that shine will wear off over time incomplete and heartbreak I think is probably a good way to segue to Vince Carter Mm. because as you tweeted last night not like this man (laughs) yeah wasn't supposed to go out like this you know in case anyone didn't see it last night after it had come to pass that the NBA was going to suspend the season and this was going to be Atlanta's last game for the foreseeable future Vince Carter checked into the game with, what, 20 seconds left and Nailed basically immediately hit a three after getting a pass from Trey Young. And he was pretty emotional after the game. And Just another one of those examples, right, where it's lost in, in the bigger picture of life. But also it's, you know, it's a shame that the longest career in NBA history, this legendary dunker, this sportsman, you know, this guy that had become known for being this great sportsman and leader and teammate, at least in the latter stages of his career. And one of the most popular players of his generation. At one point, maybe the most popular player on the planet. And after 22 years, you know, it, the end might have just been him checking in for these 20 seconds because the league had to abruptly suspend itself. Right. But again, that might end up being an incredibly memorable way to go out. And like, it, it's, Okay, I think it, it's memorable in the sense of like, yeah, we'll remember that it happened, but still a shame that, he, you know, he, April 10th, he was supposed to have one more showing in Toronto. Mm-hmm. 
which would have been really special, both yeah. for the fans and for him. Career was supposed to end on April 15th, uh, which I think the Hawks were hosting the Cavs in their season finale. And I'm sure there would have been a lot more pageantry around it. And he would have got a, a more proper send-off and gone out a little more his way and on his terms. So I, I don't mean to say that it's not memorable. Like, we'll still remember it. And if anything, yeah, it'll be memorable. Like, man, yeah, remember Vince had to go out on, like, that crazy night the NBA had to suspend his yeah. season. But... I still think it's a shame. Like, something can be memorable and still be a shame, right? Yeah, no, 100%. And I think it's, like, part of life and sports being a microcosm of life is, for the most part, nobody gets to go out on their own terms, you know? And this is just sort of an illustration of that. Like, (laughs) Vince, in a way, was sort of going out on his own terms. Like, he didn't let anybody dictate when he was going to retire. He kept playing long after people probably said that he was washed and should hang him up because he loved the game and he wanted to continue to play, even if he was playing on, like, a rebuilding Atlanta team that wasn't going anywhere and before that a rebuilding Kings team that wasn't going anywhere and before that a rebuilding Grizzlies team that wasn't going anywhere because he wanted to play for teams where he could play actual minutes because he just loved playing basketball that much. And... So in a way, he was going out on his own terms, but, you know, maybe this is an example that, you know, nobody really gets that. This might have been it for him. But if it is, I mean, at least he got into that game and got to hit that one last three. That's all I'll say. Do you want to touch at all on what could happen with the salary cap? Yeah. Well, we kind of talked about it on our last episode. It's just like the way that the salary cap works is, you know, the, the salary cap for next season is going to set be set based on an audit of the league's revenue from this season and given the projected loss of revenue from either the remainder of the regular season or whatever games are played without fans in attendance whatever happens from here on out it seems likely to result in a significant loss of revenue which would indicate that the salary cap is going to be lower next season and it's something i actually like wasn't fully aware of until um john hollinger and danny larue wrote a piece a very informative piece at the athletic about this the owners and players can actually negotiate the like a figure for the cap for next season that isn't based on the basketball related income from the 2019-20 season but if they can't come to an agreement on one that what that figure should be then it just reverts to like the accounting department essentially coming up with a projection that's based on the BRI from this season. So that seems likely to happen because the owners have a ton of leverage in that negotiation. And when have the owners ever been willing to concede on something that's going to give more money to the players when they don't have to? And then on another note, just talking about money is the potential lost wages for league employees, right? Everyone thinks of the players and the teams and the owners, whatever, but not a lot of people think about the people that work concessions and the people that work in the arenas doing various things that are yeah, paid custodial based on, staff, security right, that are paid, you know, when they're in the arena working and they're expected mm-hmm. to be working for these NBA games that are now no longer taking place. Mark Cuban, credit to him, he stepped up immediately last night and and brought that to people's attention and said that he would already like he'd immediately be looking into a program to help take care of those people. Yeah, I think it was important for him to come out and say that because it puts pressure, I think, on other owners to follow his lead. And if other owners don't follow his lead, I think that's going to be a bad look on them. So Mark Cuban isn't perfect. I've had a lot of issues with him in the past and things that he's done and things that he's said. And obviously there's been a lot of ugliness inside that Mavericks organization. But 
I do think he deserves credit in this case. Obviously, maybe we'll hold off praising him until we, we see that he's actually done it and paid out those people. But he did say that they have a program in place to pay those arena staff for, he said, at least the next four games at American Airlines Arena. And I don't know if he'll extend that now that it's clear that it's going to be at least a month before games are played. I thought that was an important first step and just getting the conversation rolling and sort of forcing or challenging other owners to step up to the plate. Well said. Because those are the play- like I mean those are the people who are really going to be impacted in terms of like their livelihood, their quality of life, right? Like NBA owners are billionaires, NBA players are millionaires. They might lose some money, but all told they're going to be okay. But the yeah. people who are working on hourly wages and to pay rent, to pay their mortgages, yeah. to um, put food on their families' tables. Yeah. yeah. So and I mean that's like you know, for us, like we're we're fortunate enough to have contracts, but a ton of people who work in sports media don't. I mean, a ton of people, time. a ton of people work freelance, and I'm I'm hurting for those people right now too, and thinking about them. Um, there's just a ton of people that are going to be affected by this. So, and then you know, obviously, just before we sign off, like most importantly, if you know anyone, there's someone in the healthcare industry or someone that's kind of working on the front lines of this, man, like keep them in your thoughts and prayers. If yeah. you pray, and if you don't pray, just think about them and, and wish the best for them, because. I mean, they're the miracle workers in this time and they're exposed to the virus, obviously, in ways that they can't avoid. And if you have elderly people in your family or loved ones, that I'm sure we all do, just look out for them and, and just be smart. Exactly. Have common sense. Be smart in your own life. It's not the end of the world if for a few weeks or maybe even a month or two, you can't do some of the things you're accustomed to doing, whether that's going out or whatever the case may be, but look out for everyone in the long run. And I think we can all get through a few weeks or a month or two without, for example, basketball. Yep. On that note, I don't know when we will return. We will keep podcasting throughout the hiatus. Not sure what the schedule will be. It will probably consist of Joe and I sitting alone in each of our houses, speaking into a mic through Skype. So... Apologies in advance if after today, the next few episodes might not have the same audio quality. But again, we will get through very minor life issues like that together. And hopefully everyone keeps the big picture in mind. With that, for Joe Wolf on, I'm Joseph Cacharo. Pound the Rock. Pound the Rock.